Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras, episode number 207. Today, I want to talk about something that I think 99.999999% of us have said to ourselves at some point or another along this journey. And this podcast episode came about because of a conversation that I had with one of the members of the She Runs Ultras membership group. And I think that we all have a perceived notion of what it means to be a real runner. For some of us, it is based on how fast we run or don't run, (laughs) the number of times per week we run. For other people, it might be how far they run. And I think that we build these concepts up in our head based on experiences, things we've seen or read or heard, or maybe it's even something that someone else has said to us somewhere along the way. I know for me, that one, things that people have said to me, those are the things that like really stick with me and they have really jammed me up, uh, if I'm being honest, <laughs> all along the way. As much as I would like to say that I don't care what other people think, it's really hard sometimes to not care what other people think and to like block out some of the stuff that people most of the time, like with good intentions, though they say those things to us with good intentions, but, or they don't even know what they're saying. You know what I mean? Anyway, but I was talking to Robbie And she had this story that she's not a real runner unless she's doing a 10 minute mile, which I really resonate with this because that's sort of like, that used to be my like sweet spot pace. And this was something that she had just like arbitrarily heard somewhere. And this is what she was gauging her success on as a runner. And my bet is, my guess is that you have a story that is similar to this like I said, whether it's based on speed or number of races or even winning, like I'm not a real runner unless I win a a race, an age group, you know, a 5k, whatever it is. But what I want to offer you today is that that thought is likely holding you back from enjoying your running more and getting more out of your actual day-to-day running experience and lifetime running experience. So I want to tell you guys a story. It's the same story that I told Robbie. And it's all about my internal dialogue that said, I'm not a runner unless, and maybe you guys will resonate with this, maybe not. But I just wanted to like share this with you guys, because I think maybe some of you think that, you know, once you get to a certain place, it's going to be different than it is for me, you right now. Okay. And I just want to demonstrate the fact that unless you do some of the work that I'm going to talk about at the end of the podcast, that this theme of I'm not a real runner unless dot, dot, dot is just going to be a recurring theme and one that you will have a really hard time shaking unless you do some of this work. But let me just tell you this story first. So I had a real runner. I'm sorry. I had a, I had a real story in my head that I'm not a real runner unless I ran the Boston marathon. Like at the time 
back when I started running, I was living in Boston and I ran a few half marathons and then I did um, Arizona rock and roll marathon and did the Las Vegas marathon. And everyone kept asking me like, when are you going to do Boston? And I was just like, do you guys even understand the qualifying times that are required for me someone of my age to qualify for Boston, I would have had to have shaved 30 minutes or more off of my fastest marathon time. I was never able to break four hours in a road marathon. So I just always had this story like, I'm not a real runner unless A, I break four hours in a marathon or B, I qualify and run Boston. And that story plagued me for so long, you guys, so long, because when you live in Boston, when you are, you know, when you are Boston adjacent, the only marathon anybody knows about is Boston, right? And that totally makes sense. So when you tell people you run, and then they find out you run marathons, the next logical question for them is always, well, have you run Boston? And the looks on people's faces when I would say, no, I haven't run it yet. And then they'd ask why, and then it would just turn into a whole big thing. And so it just fortified the idea in my head that I wasn't a real runner unless I qualified for and ran Boston. And honestly, I gave it some consideration for like a hot second. And and I did try to get faster and it was just not as much fun for me and my body this was still during the time when I hadn't quite figured out my sciatic nerve pain and so I tried to go faster I tried to do more and I was in more pain and more discomfort and I wanted to run less and less and less so those things didn't really jive for me and it was right around that time that I found ultra running. And I thought, okay, this is going to be the way that I sort of skirt this whole idea of needing to run Boston. So I started to get into trails and then I was like, well, you know, I've run some marathons, but clearly I'm not a real runner unless I do this next thing, which is to run an ultra. And my internal dialogue, well, was like, I will prove them wrong because people were saying like, uh, you know, I don't know. Are you really a runner if you don't run Boston? Which like if anyone who's, who is a real runner now, I know this now in hindsight, understands what it takes to train for and qualify and run Boston. And so this was my way of skirting that because I would just be like, well, actually I don't need to run Boston because I've done this thing. That's way longer and way harder. So I had this um, mindset shift, like I'm not a real ultra runner unless I've done this 50K because I started just calling myself an ultra runner, even though I hadn't quite done it yet. And so like foreshadowing, I was like kind of already living into that space in my head. Like I'm actually this instead of that. And this is where I want to go. So I did a 50K and then... Like the second I crossed that finish line, I was like, wow, that is so hard, but so awesome. And I had known at the time that people go farther than 50K. (laughs) I crossed the finish line and I was like, well, that's great. I sort of like rode that high for 24 hours. And then the story shifted to, I'm not a real ultra runner unless I've done a 50 miler. (laughs) Maybe you can see where this is going. So... 
then I, then I did a 50 miler. Then it was, I'm not a real ultra runner unless I've done hundred K. And this is where it starts to get interesting. I start to really ratchet this shit up on myself. Like it went from, <laughs> it went from like zero to a hundred real fast. <laughs> so I did a hundred, I signed up for trained for and started a hundred K and I ended up DNFing it. I haven't really ever, I don't think I've ever really told that story. I don't know, I'm 207 episodes in. It's hard to remember where I've told the story or not, but basically the long and the short of it is I raced this 100K event that's literally in the next town over from me that was predominantly a bike race, a mountain biking race. And it was sort of, the race director was sort of like, hey, let's tack on this 100K running event. <laughs> And you could tell that it was clearly like bolted onto the side of this mountain biking event. There were self-serve aid stations scattered throughout the woods, all of which were empty, purged of water by the time I got there because, you know, all the cyclists had been through and just drained them and nobody had come back around and refilled them. The course was horribly marked there was no course map. It was basically follow the yellow and green survey tape that is randomly strung up in the trees in the woods. And if you are familiar with yellow and green survey tape, it's hard to see in the woods. <laughs> like whoever thought to put yellow and green versus blue or pink or red or orange, like, I don't know, bright colors, like the markers blended in with the flora and fauna. And I got lost so many times and I was dehydrated. I actually ended up finding this guy, this, this Canadian man wandering around in the woods. He was dehydrated. He was like very, um, he was in a bad way. (laughs) There was like a, my French is not very good and his English was not very good, but I could clearly see that he didn't have any water left and I had a little bit left. So I shared some of it with him. And we were able to find the trail and I was able to get him back on track towards going to an aid station. But this course was looped. And the next time I came through the loop, I just looked at Adam and I was like, I I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, I I know that I'm going to get lost going back into this section of the course. And he was like, just stop then. And that was a really, really hard pill to swallow. So obviously the story in my head was, well, I'm not a real ultra runner because I haven't done a hundred K and to this date, I've never officially finished a, a, a strictly 100 K race. So I'm not a real ultra runner unless I do a hundred miler. <laughs> right. So like, I was just like, we're just going to skip right over this hundred K thing. Cause this sucks. <laughs> we're going to go right to a hundred milers. So I trained for, I signed up for ghost train. I trained for it. And then I DNF'd my first ghost train attempt, right? So at ghost train, you, you technically get credit for every multiple of 15 that you run. So technically I ran a 75 miler, right? So I guess like maybe I've run hundred K, I don't know. So then I thought, well, clearly I have some unfinished business here. So when I finished my second attempt at running a hundred miles, which is my first official 100 miler, the story in my head was, well, you're just a one hit wonder. Anyone can run a hundred miles once, but can you do it again? Now, 
in retrospect, (laughs) I can see how absolutely batshit crazy all of these statements are, right? Perspective. That's a big thing. So obviously I had some unfinished business to make sure I wasn't a one hit wonder. So when I did it again, when I completed a hundred miler, my brain said, well, you know, really like you're not that special. People run hundred milers all the time. And there are people out there running double that. So really you're not an ultra runner unless you've run 200 miles. And spoiler alert, like if you're listening to the, this episode out of order, (laughs) if you're not caught up on the podcast, then you may or may not know that I have run a 200 miler. And still to this day, I shit you not, you guys, my brain offers me thoughts like I'm not a real ultra runner because I've never placed in my age group. I'm not a real ultra runner because I haven't won anything, (laughs) a race, an age group, anything. I'm not a real ultra runner because I'm so slow. I'm not a real ultra runner because I don't run all day, every day, 24, seven, 365 days. And the list goes on. That's just like a few of the things. So I just wanted to do this episode because if you're listening to this and you're having these thoughts, these like, I'm not a real runner or ultra runner unless dot, dot, dot. I want to let you know that you can have these thoughts and be a quote unquote real ultra runner too. And I think this is a really interesting dichotomy. And I think, um, the, the mindset aspect the like how our brains work is really interesting, super fucking frustrating (laughs) because like, if we're trying to go someplace, why wouldn't our brains support us in getting there? But what I've come to learn is that we're really wired to look for the negative. I think it's like a survival thing, but anyway, that's how most of us are wired. Our brains are wired to look for the negative. And so it's natural that we would find all of our faults before we ever see the positives. And that's why I think it's crucial for all of us who are runners to be aware of those sneaky little thoughts that we think are the truth or our reality. Like that's just the way it is and question them so that we can accurately assess where we're at. Right. And this is sort of like the process that I went through with Robbie when we were working on her mindset of, well, I'm not a real ultra runner unless I run faster than a 10 minute mile. And some of this stuff was rooted in where she had been previously before she had had surgery and taken time off. And so like she knew that she could do that before. And so not only was she rooted in something that she had done in the past, but also this external feedback from someone else or somewhere else where she had heard it. And so that to her was reality. So if you're hearing this and you're like, okay, well, I'm having these thoughts, like what can I do about it? There's a couple things that I do that have helped me over the years have the thoughts and work on them and also just go and do the damn thing at the same time. Okay. Because clearly 
it's possible for you to have these thoughts and achieve stuff anyway, right? If nothing else, then I am an example of that. And that's part of the reason why I do this podcast and why I share my running journey and why I keep running because I want to show people and remind people that it is possible for you to do all sorts of things despite whatever you might personally think about yourself or despite what other people might think or say, any of that nonsense, okay? So the first thing is you have to notice the thoughts and this is hard, (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. Again, going back to the point that I made earlier, some of us just think that those thoughts are reality. And this was really challenging work for me to do at the beginning because I believed that whatever my brain thought was the truth. And so it was very hard for me to notice those thoughts objectively. And one of the ways that I started doing that was to write them down so that I can see them. Because sometimes, I don't know, like you get get this like swirl of thoughts going on in your brain and you can't really put your finger on what is the thing that I'm thinking? What's the concise thought that's causing me to get so fucking worked up? But when you write it down and you see the words in front of you, you can start to really pick out the one, two, three, however many things that are like vexing you. So taking the time to sit down and focus and write out my thoughts really helps me to see what the fuck is going on up in my brain. And it can be total chaos in there. And then when I sit down and write all the things out, I feel better about just getting it out of my head and onto paper and getting some distance from it so that I don't have to be wrapped up in it 24-7. So that's the first thing. You have to notice them. And by noticing them, writing them down and getting them out of your head is really, really helpful. The second thing is something that I alluded to earlier, and that is that you need to put them into perspective. And like I said before about Robbie and her thought about the 10 minute mile, I asked her if she thought that it was possible to be a real runner and run slower than 10 minutes, 10 minute miles. And she said, yes, which is, which is obviously true to many of us. Right. But most times it's like, we think it's possible for other people to do those things, but not for us. And I don't know why that is, but that just (laughs) seems to be everybody's MO. Well, other people can do it, but me, I have to hold myself to a different standard, probably a higher standard or a harder standard before I can personally accept myself as this thing, right? So put them into perspective. Look for other examples of people doing the thing that you think is not true or not the thing or not right, okay? So for me, it was like, you know, you heard my whole story about you're not an ultra runner unless you do 50K, 50 miles, so on and so forth. I could clearly look around me and see that there were hundreds of other people who I thought were real ultra runners. Of course, I didn't know anything about their background, right? Those people that I was encountering at those races, this could have been their first race or their 1000th race. I had no idea, but I looked at them And this was definitely true at my first race, my first 50K when I showed up, I was like, everybody knows, everybody knows that I don't belong here, that I've never done one of these before. Like, you know, 
you get like massive imposter syndrome. Uh, and you know, I finished ahead of a ton of people and I did a great job, but I showed up there and was like, I'm not a real ultra runner. What am I doing here? These people are definitely going to figure out (laughs) that I don't belong here. And that has been the case all the way down the line, obviously all the way up to the starting line of the Tahoe 200, where I was like, well, (laughs) here we go. Like, I definitely don't belong here, but somehow I got into the lottery. I trained my ass off and now we're just going to go. Right. And again, it goes back to, you're never going to know if you can do the thing unless you train for it and you show up and you just do it. This is definitely going to be a tangent, but I want to just remind you guys of that. You're never going to know unless you just show up and do the thing. And if you fail, you don't do the thing, then don't lose the lesson that that failure was trying to teach you, whether that was training or mindset or nutrition or whatever it was. Okay. So let me rein it back in. The second thing is to put it into perspective. Okay. Look around and find evidence for the thing and put, put your thing in context, in perspective with other people, other races, you know, other things. All right. The third thing is to find a way to interrupt or replace that thought. And it starts as an interruption, just catching yourself before you head down that spiral. And maybe you catch yourself at the very beginning Maybe you catch yourself at the very end, like you're fully engulfed in the thought and that's okay. You just have to notice and interrupt it. No matter when you catch yourself, as long as you are finding a way to interrupt that thought pattern, that's a good thing. And eventually over time, you'll catch it sooner. So if you only realize when you're at the very bottom of that thought spiral and everything is going haywire that's fine. If you keep noticing, you'll catch yourself sooner so that eventually you'll catch yourself right away when you're like, well, I'm not a real ultra runner. And you're like, wait, time out, like flag on the play, right? The next part is also important. And that is for you to find some sort of a replacement thought, something that is believable that you can swap in, in place of that shitty thought, like, oh, I'm not a real ultra runner unless dot, dot, dot. So for example, if you had that recurring, that same recurring thought as Robbie, like I'm not um, a, a real runner unless I run a 10 minute mile, you could swap it for something like I'm working my way towards a 10 minute mile, right? That's true. It's believable. You're not there yet, but you're on your way there, right? And there's a whole litany of other examples that you could throw in there, but you just have to find, and here, this is the biggest part. Like don't, don't do the whole like daily affirmation thing where you're like, if you believe that you are not a real ultra runner, unless you win a hundred miles, like unless you finish an ultra and you say, I'm going to win the hundred miles, like clearly that's not believable right? Unless you are like on your way to being that level of athlete, then that thought might be more believable, but you'll know right away if you have a thought and you want to interrupt it with a new one and you test that thought out and you're like, Oh God, that just feels terrible. (laughs) That's not one that you want to try and insert for the I'm not a real ultra runner unless dot, dot, dot. Okay. It needs to be one that you 
can get behind. I was going to say one that you can embrace, but I can't, that would be a lie. Like I can't always fully embrace my replacement thoughts, but I can get behind it. Like I can put it into perspective and I can see like, yes, this is true in some way, shape or form. And I'm either working my way towards it or I am it, or I could be (laughs) right. But you really have to find something that is believable that you can get behind that you can work towards. Okay. And the key here really, like I said before, is to question all of those thoughts, especially the ones that you think are a hundred percent true. Like, you know, again, I was a hundred percent convinced at every interval that I wasn't a real ultra runner unless I did X, Y, or Z. But obviously that wasn't true. Like I was an ultra runner from the moment that I said, I'm going to run this race. And I started training for it right? In hindsight, retrospect, like I can say that now because the true mark of being an ultra runner is committing to the training, signing up for that race and showing up every day and doing the work. And even if you fail at, at like, even if you DNF every race you enter and you still show up and train for the next one, you're still an ultra runner, right? Like by definition, you're someone who's training for ultras. You are an ultra runner. So, you know, that's a little bit of like wordplay, but it's still true. And we have to question these thoughts because if we just accept as reality that I'm not a real ultra runner, unless I run a 10 minute mile, unless I finish a 50 miler, unless, unless I win my age group, unless I win an overall race, that's a lot. That's a lot to put on ourselves. And so if we can question those thoughts and take a step back and get some perspective and look for, you know, look for evidence of what everything, like uh, evidence of what is true in the world, not just in our brains, that's going to go a long way towards boosting us forwards versus holding us back, which is really why, like I wanted to do this whole episode, like all of what I've just said is to just remind you that if you feel like you're not a real ultra runner, that's okay, but you can also go out and do the damn thing. And if you're listening to this, then you are a real ultra runner because I know that you've committed to showing up and doing the work and committing to the process regardless of what the potential outcome is, right? Obviously we, we want to be able to finish the race, but circumstances, we can't control hundred percent of the circumstances. And so we got to roll with the punches. We do as much preparation as possible, but eventually there might be something that's out of our control and we just have to roll with the, roll with the punches, right? So if you heard me say right now that you are a real runner or a real ultra runner and your immediate reaction from your brain was to conjure up, well, no, I'm not because dot, 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 then this episode is especially important for you. Okay. So try to do that like process that I just mentioned, notice those thoughts, write them down and try to clarify them to see if you can hone in on what's really going on. Try to put them into perspective, like take a step back and look around and see, like, it's almost like your, your head is buried in the sand. So pick your head up out of the sand, have a look and see, and then find a way to interrupt or replace that thought with a different one. One that feels more believable, one that you can get behind. Okay. 
So hopefully that was helpful, you guys, all my ultra running friends out there. That's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.